0: It all happened long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away from our own about a story of a family that could walk on the sky, and how they had to
1: fight conflicts in the cosmos. Fights in the Frontier War in the Stars. This
0: is their story.
1: Star Wars
0: Papa. pa Papa pa. May 4th, Star Wars Day, y'all. May the Force and the 4th be with y'all. This is the Rolling Stoner Podcast. My name's Luke Roland. A lot of people like to call me Luke Skywalker. I only respond that to, though, when I'm high or on an airplane. Which is a good thing we're doing both. I'm right now currently high. Not on an airplane. I'm in an X-Wing. I'm in the Death Star. I'm currently about to bomb the Galactic Empire, and free everyone from rain and tyranny of the dark side of the Force. That's not true. I'm just sitting here on my desk with a notepad talking about some nerdy shit. How are you guys doing? Doing good? Doing good? This is a Smoke Session. I'm your host. You already know that, though. You know how it goes. It's pretty self-explanatory. Just like a ghost. A Force ghost. I think they're really good at being self-explanatory but not really good at just explaining you know like when obi-wan was a force ghost and was like the things i said to you about your father were true from a certain perspective just not the actual truth you know yeah darth vader did kill your father but your father shouldn't have fucking crossed my goddamn lightsaber path. I had the high ground. He didn't. He was a low-life bitch, and I had to make sure he stayed that way. How do you do that, Luke? You cut off his legs. Don't worry. He got his knuppets. Fucking toss my torso to the ground. Do you, do you think he, that Darth Vader got the final blow to Ben Kenobi in A New Hope? Because, like, Ben Kenobi kind of, like, disappears as Darth Vader's, like, doing the swing, you know? And so, like, I don't know if Darth Vader instigated him joining the force and he got that last shit. Or Ben was like, peace out, motherfucker. Right as, you know. Because there's, like, it's either a hit or a miss. And I can't tell. I really can't tell. Because he turns into a ghost and it's 1970s prop effects. Like, (laughs) there's no, like, close shot, rewind, you know? Like... The fucking NBA has better graphics than Star Wars in the 70s. I think nowadays, you could really make a good argument of who has the better graphics. LeBron James or Luke Skywalker. Yeah, overall, uh, this is uh, the May 4th special, Star Wars. I'm going to be talking about all the new shit that's coming out um, on today on Disney+. Plus. Uh, they have this new... Kind of like mini-series. I talked about it on my last May 4th special because that's when it came out. Uh, called Star Wars Visions. And it's like an anthology, animated series. But it's not like Clone Wars kind of shit where it's like, you know, or like The Bad Batch where it, the characters are taking place within the canon. These are all spread without... It could be a super long, long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Or it could be a very, very short amount of time ago in the galaxy that's far, far away. They all happen in the galaxy far, far away, but the timing of it is completely different and all over the place, and that's exciting because all all the different animation is happening. Each episode of Visions is correspondent to like an animated studio, animation studio that Disney, the big wigs at Disney, are like, "Hey, we'll um we'll contract out these things to y'all. Y'all do something dope with lightsabers, and uh, we'll make a bunch of money off of it and give some of it to you guys." And that's basically what Disney did. With visions, and I'm here for it because these are gonna be some dope ass motherfucking, uh, motherfucking short stories, and that is what this May the 4th special will be about, or at least the fun force fact of the day. It will be me reviewing all of the new visions episodes that came out today because that's what I'm doing today. Now record a little bit, review for all you guys. But right now, this is the smoke session where I just talk about my life, talk about what's going on in the recent world of the Rolling Stoner, and then we'll get to the rest of it for you guys. Overall, my life, it's doing all right. I'm, like, done with school forever, so that's, like, a big weight off the shoulders. But it's, like, I'm in, like, this weird-ass limbo, guys, because I'm supposed to be graduating May 8th. It's May 4th now. I finished classes and all that shit. Two nights ago. So now I'm in like this weird limbo of a... Yeah, just limbo of a time where I'm like about to change up a lot of fucking aspects of myself. Like this summer is going to be a grind time where I'll still like be able to like do comedy and like I got the podcast. I got the RU. I got me, myself and I and the boys and my pursuit of my passions like all that shit stays the same it's kind of been staying the same only getting more and more exemplified not exemplified exaggerated that's what I want to say like we're moving on up you know it's getting more and more fun the budget's increasing a little bit more of the production value with every season and I'm entering in like a a new season almost like a network change man I feel like I'm moving like from wednesday nights to friday nights on prime time folks like and i'm excited for it i'm here for it gonna be a good time i have a lot less things to worry about like the club past sun devil stand up onto a new generation of officers i'm excited to see what they'll do with it uh right now i'm just excited to live some life and get to see a lot of family i have like a really big like, graduation party's happening soon. And, like, that's, like, I know that that's been a thing that, like, a lot of people have been looking forward to for a couple of years because they keep on telling me, Luke, I'm so, I'm looking forward to your graduation party in a couple of years. And now it's happened, It's happening. And I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be a good time. I just hope it's not, like, my last graduation party where I... Well, I did myself dirty. I, like, invited all of, like, my rogues gallery. You know what I mean? Like, all the people in my life I uh, had relations with. Let's say that for my high school graduation party. Because I thought they would all come in at, like, their own time sporadically throughout the all-day event. But they all decided to, like, pull up at, like, the hours from 5 to 6. So I had to, like... It was like it's like one of those. I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna make a Star Wars reference right now. I'm gonna make a Batman one, but it's like it's like that time when Bane broke up, broke out all of Batman's Rogues Gallery from Arkham Asylum, and Ar- and Batman had to like fight everybody all at the same time while being exhausted, and Bane just watched and laughed menacingly in Spanish. That's kind of what my first graduation party was like. So I hope. The second graduation party. And the last graduation party. Unless I decide to be a fucking doctor for some reason. I hope this one is more like a season finale kind of stuff. Where it's like all of the heroes from the past. And all the friends coming out of the woodwork to help, like, you know, reminisce on the times. I I'm just hoping this is a clip episode. <laughs> I really hope it's a clip episode and not a bottle episode. You know what I mean? You know what I mean. Either way, we're saving money. Well, that's about all the updates I have to give you guys, the audience, as the progress of the Rolling Stoner podcast. So stay tuned, folks, for the fun fact of the day where I will be going in-depth and in-detail reviewing these Star Wars visions and which ones are dope, which ones are bad, which ones are hype, which ones you should check out, which ones you shouldn't check out. Eh, You should probably check them all out, though. Uh, Because you got to support local animation studios and such. But first, a little Star Wars sketch, yo.
1: Look at the mess that you've gotten us into this time, R2. I say, uh, out of the six million forms of communications, I still can't yet describe how you've gotten us in this pickle. I don't even know how. I was just trying to walk down the hallway, R2. Walk down the hallway of this perfectly nice Senate cruiser. You know, we were on our way to a diplomatic delegation and you had to go and be all buddy buddy curly cuddly with the princess. Why were you even in that back hallway with her? Was she giving you a kiss or something? <laughs> oh, it's plans for a top secret military base that the Rebellion's trying to blow up. Haha, <laughs> yeah, I've heard that one before, R2-D2. Now tell me, what was the actual reason? Did she try to smuggle Spice in you again? I remember what happened the last time we went to Mouse Canada. The security guards could smell that from a mile away. Fine, don't tell me. Don't tell me why the reason why we're just hurling through space in an escape pod right now as the princess is being questioned by the military police, huh? What do you th- have to say about that? I could have helped. I could have helped her. I'm C-3PO. Human-cyborg relations. This is exactly what I was made for! Relations between the humans... ...the princess... ...and the cyborgs! That motherfucking scary-ass black man! Oh, you know what I mean. Now is not the time to be politically correct. We're currently running away from that man. If it even is a man. He seems more machine now. And so familiar. What is as if... He was my father or something. Oh, the maker! <laughs> if I only knew who it was, I could ask him to get us out of this escape pod. <laughs> but now we're just hurling through space. <laughs> Stop singing, R2-D2. This is not the time to be doing space shanties. We need a planet to crash land this pod on. What's that giant tan one? <laughs> but I mean, do, don't go there. We've been there before. Huh, I don't seem to remember. That's weird. I've never had a home planet as a droid since I was created. But I feel like if I were to have a home planet, for some reason that big piece of dust and rough, coarse sand that's all over the place seems like the place to go. And it's right next to where we got pulled over. How convenient. Okay, R2, I shall take the escape pod down into this desolate wasteland of a planet. And we can see where we go from there. But the most important thing that when we do get down there, R2 D2, is that we stick together. Alright,
0: y'all. So I just watched the first episode of season two of Volumes, fucking phenomenal, great way to start off the fucking sophomore attempt. This was by El Ghirli, which is an animation studio from Madrid, Spain. To give a little bit of background on them, this is the studio's mission statement, bring a vision to life. El Ghirli Studios is an animation studio specializing in directing, developing, and front-end production. We provide concept to final delivery services with a focus on quality and innovation. A crew with experience in projects like Tales of Arcadia, Troll Hunters, Incredibles, WALI, Ratatouille, Cars, and many more. We recently finished a 14 minute short film for Star Wars Visions, written and directed by Rodrigo Blas and created from concept to script to screen here at El Ghiri. Release date is May 4th on Disney Plus, which is today. And I just saw that very, very fifteen minute long short special 3D animated and it was fucking dope, y'all. So it was entitled Sith. And the animation style was 3D animated. But it was like that kind of new comic book-esque animation style. Almost like in, into the Spider-Verse. But mixed along with like those... You remember those Barbie animated movies like from way back in the day? When everyone kind of looks like a porcelain doll? Like the main character of Sith looked like a person from a Barbie animation. But then the entire environment that she was out and about and around were all, like, paint marks on the side of the walls. And, like, it's all over, like, her ship and the place that she's at. And the story itself is about a former Sith apprentice who's, like, living on the down low. She's living on the land. She's got, like, a little droid pet. And she's just making art everywhere she goes. Then the feelings feel, you know, her surroundings. And she's, like, real pissed off that, like, all of her art... Has like these like super dark undertones, but she is a former Sith, so yeah, there's gonna be some dark undertones with your shit, you know? It's what you get when you're a Sith. And she has like this cool like ability to like use art to force paint and like the environment around her, like the colors of the environment around her would change within like as the tone of the short did really fucking cool it looked like she was walking in her own sketchbook and like that's like spoil the entire thing i'm not gonna do that i'm just reviewing it but like she paints a dope-ass mural there's an even more badass uh she like is like you know there's like a beacon and she has to go check out the beacon so she's like on this like motherfucking badass like spin cycle shit you remember what general grievous wrote around to evade ben kenobi uh, obi-wan kenobi in episode three like that dope-ass modify cycle looking ass thing that is what this sith has former sith i don't know dude i swear she kind of reminded me of sama hayek i'm not gonna lie i really hope she was voiced by sama hayek i don't know who voiced her though i should find that out oh and then there's the moment when she's being pursued by her like former sith master and this guy just, like, by the books, badass Sith-looking dude, you know? He's got the yellow eyes. He's got the fucking face vocalizer. <sighs> breather. <sighs> he's somehow bald, but also has dreadlocks at the same time. I don't know how the fuck that works. But he looked dope as fuck. And the action in this animation, pristine. And the swords, too. I like the way that these, like, different animated studios are, like designing lightsabers to be, like, unorthodox or, like, more, like, certain things from, like, reality, but, like, they got that sci-fi spin on it. Like, one of the, one of the lightsabers in this short looked like a goddamn rapier, like a, not like a rapist, but like a rapier, you know, like a French kind of sword fighting, kind of dueling, fencing kind of thing. And then the other one was a
1: full-blown double-sided katana
0: that looked just so goddamn badass. So yeah, that was the first episode. Sith. Highly recommended. Animated by Spaniards. Aguirre. Good shit. The second episode of Visions was called Screechers Reach. And it was by an Irish animation cartoon studio. Animation studio. Is like a cartoon like a derogatory form of animation? Or is that like the streets thing? I'm not really too sure. I should probably find that out because this studio is called Cartoon Saloon, <clears throat> which I think is more like a casual way. So I'd say cartoon is like the casual way of saying animation because it's never like, oh, this won the Academy Award for best cartoon feature. not nah, it's best animated feature. A cartoon saloon, it's a Kilkenny based cartoon saloon. Five time Academy Award Golden Globe BAFTA, anime nominated animation studio formed by Paul Young, Tom Moore, and Nora Twami. From award winning shorts to featured films and TV series, Cartoon Saloon has carved a special place in the international animated industry. The deep fondness for the source material comes through, and the painterly hand drawn aesthetic is enchanting. That is the Hollywood Reporter's. Um, review on cartoon studios animation and it is pretty fucking dope it's like 2d animated you feel like you're reading a children's book while you're watching their shit and screechers reach the star wars animated short that cartoon studio created for visions is exactly that a children's book of a story you know you got the classic hero's journey kind of in it while you follow a little orphan named dal and Dow lives in this like tapestry style kind of orphanage vac- factory workhouse, Amazon warehouse. Dow works in space, Amazon, and Dow wants to get the fuck out of it. So there's like this like little area that's like right around the uh, right around you know, the local places of this like local farm area, Space Ireland. Space Amazon warehouse called Screechers Reach where, like, there's a haunting lady who, you know, just screeches and just wants to, wants to haunt people and kill people, and I think it's based off of, um, the Irish folklore character, the Banshee, because, like, it's a screecher, you know, screaming cliffs, it's an Irish animated studio, Star Wars, how do you make a ghost? At Star Wars. You make it a force ghost. Force ghost, a banshee, and screeching. Try to get out of the reach. And Dal wants to reach, screechers reach. Wants to go and enter the belly of the beast. And doesn't want, you know, friends to come. But friend, three friends are like, yeah, we want to we wanna leave this warehouse too. Fuck this place. Let's go. Let's go meet a ghost. Oh, there's another hummingbird outside my window. Oh, look at that. So cute. You know, hummingbirds kind of look like ghosts. I feel like they have supernatural abilities and such. Like, no matter what, I could feel so shitty about myself. If I see a hummingbird just vibing
1: out, I know I can do right. I know I can
0: do well. I know I can live a good life. It's like the exact opposite of a ghost. If I see a ghost, I will vibe wrong. I will vibe in. I will be an introvert. I will not do what I need to do. Because I'm like, I'm being haunted. Ah. And that's what Dow was also concerned about. Is whether or not when she sees this ghost. What will happen? Will she fight? Or will she flight? Will she disappear out of sight? And something along those lines happens. But... This animation, I'm not going to spoil the rest for you, but it's more just about uh, not everything is as it seems. It's all mind over matter, and um, don't be afraid of taking a shot for something more. And sure, a journey might lead you to dark, but it can also show you the light and show you uh, where you need to be in life in order to pursue more. And then you get abducted by a Sith. How the fuck do you... Damn, dude, these next, like, two shorts from Star Wars Visions Season 2 are almost like sister pieces of itself, which is really funny because they're both about, like, those good, wholesome family values that everyone always loves to live up to out in outer space. So the first uh, short is called in the stars, and it's about, uh, it's by Punk Robot Studios, they did, let me see what they're up to, they've done, like, a lot of cool-ass fucking, uh, a lot of cool-ass fucking, uh, cool fucking shit there, and an animation studio based in, bum-ba-dum-bum, bum-bum, an animation automated and built by creative human storytellers, artists, and universal builders that aims to make a contribution to the world, promoting good values, unique content, and outstanding visuals. Since 2008, thanks to a great human and multidisciplinary, multi multidisciplinary team, we are developed projects for television, advertising, and film for high-impact Visuals among with preschool series Flippos, Los Adventures de Molin, Perlita, and the animated short film Historia de un Oso in 2014, winner of the first Oscar award for animation in Latin America, which is a standout. They're based in Santiago, Chile, founded by Antonia Herrera, Gabriel Osorio, Marie Soto Aguile, and Pato Escala. So, punk robot stop motion animation studio and the story that they did about star wars it's called in the stars or look to the stars or like shoot for the stars aim for the moon something like that and it's about these two scavengers that live on like this like you know tropical planet that kind of like has like mushrooms that grow everywhere but only the mushrooms can only grow within starlight like all of the vegetation of this planet can only grow in starlight Basically these two scavengers live in like the South Mexico jungles <laughs> like South America jungles, you know, Amazon warehouse. And the problem is though is that like the world is covered in cloud and industrialization because the empire, the imperial factory that's creating called killed all of the life on the planet is like killing up the resources and stuff. And the stop motion is really fucking dope, not gonna lie. It's, like, there's so much layers. Every scene from it looks like a scene from, like, an I Spy book where, like, there's so much detail and, like, all the everything stacks all on top of each other. You know what I mean? And it's, like, a little sister who's, like, the dreamer who, like, you know, she's collecting water so that she can, like, paint stuff. And it's, like, she tells the story of her, their mother which led a revolution a rebellion against the empire but the empire's technology was too great and too grandstanding that they just killed everyone on this planet it's like the most subtle the most subtle way of explaining that a genocide happened in a story is to make a like a two-minute animated like exposition on like some like stone paintings About, like, yeah, you know, we had her mother. Here's a picture of her mother. It's just a little icon. She was a great woman. And then she went against an ATAT and just got her brains blown away. But now she's a star because the Force. Because everything is one with the Force and in the Force. And nothing gets destroyed, just turned into other things. Because that is the will of the Force. You know what I mean? And the older sister, she's just like, yo... Everyone in our village is dead. We need to do what we can to survive. We can only do what we can to survive. We will wither away someday. But until then, I need to protect you, my little sister. And the little sister's like, fuck that. We need to bring the smoke back to these imperial bitches and take back our land. Viva la vida loco, motherfucker. I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to fight. Put me in, coach. Put me in. And the older sister's like, nah, I'm just going to steal and pillage from these guys and just make my way. And, like, that's the great thing about this story. It's, like, the two sisters represent the two um, figureheads of these two different philosophies of doing what you can to survive or doing what you must in order to survive. Fuck. Doing what you can in order to survive or doing what you must in order to thrive and that's that's where the two sisters differentiate. One younger sister believes that she can while the other does what she needs to do it. And then I'm not going to spoil the rest of it for you guys, but I'm just going to say that stop motion water flooding through an entire ass area looks really fucking cool. And I'm not going to lie, I was very astonished at their ability to make that look like authentic within the world of their own animation. I was like, "Oh damn, dude, that's water." Like that doesn't it's not supposed to look like water. That's just water, man. That's dope as fuck. I don't know how they did it practically. And then the overall story is that you are never truly alone cuz even if there's clouds in your sky, there's still starlight shining up, down on you through those clouds. And even though you can't see it, you're still feeling feeling them beams. All right, so this next animated thing from Visions is from the animation studio of Ardman, and it's called I Am Your Mother. Ardman Animations Limited is a British animation studio based in Bristol, England, and it's known for its films made using stop-motion and clay animation techniques, particularly those featuring its plasticine characters from Wallace and Gromit, Sean the Sheep, and Morph. And this animation studio, they did, uh, they did a little, you know, short about Star Wars, and it takes place in Hana City at this pilot training school academy hosted by, you know, people who pilot spaceships and such, and like, you know, it's really hard to get around knowing how to fly these things, so you need to like go to school for that. So there's this academy in Hana City who has this like end of the year racing competition because it's Star Wars. There's obviously going to be some racing in it. George Lucas loved car racing. He actually almost got into a car accident, and that was when he realized, ah, shit, I should probably write down this great idea I have for A War in the Stars, and it'll make everybody a star. Then I can go back to racing fast cars. So that's what he did. And this episode right here is a little bit of an homage to an homage, yes. I know. Fancy words. It is an homage to George Lucas's street racing days. So it starts off pilot training school, competition. The the daughter, she's like a little Twilightkin, a cadet. She's embarrassed by her mother, as all teenage outsiders are and the mom i don't know she's a pretty wholesome mom just like every british mother you know she's like just working at home she's making the lunch you know treating the dog reminiscing about the old times and like the the kid i loved how they made the kid like the kid isn't like too short it's actually the kid is like awkwardly lanky um then and like like towers over her mother which i think is pretty funny uh, and then there's also the supporting cast members of this, like one of like the Twilakens friends in the fucking mo- uh, in the fucking short in the Pilot Academy is a Wookiee.
2: <laughs> oh,
0: that was my Wookiee impression. It also sounded like I was drowning in a puddle of my own blood. But the Wookiee, dude, this Wookiee, definitely a stoner, man. The way he was walking around, just being like, ar, ar, ar. definitely a stoner. That that Wookiee is faded, um, which is why he crashed the crashed the ship. And then there was also a baby Wookiee that was like tra- talking trash. And the way that the baby Wookiee talked trash was by like ripping off arms from like stuffed animals. Thought that was a pretty funny joke. Then also, this short shows the first bra ever seen in Star Wars, which uh, counteracts George Lucas's own notes in the first making of A New Hope. Because Carrie Fisher, who played Princess Leia in Star Wars, she was like, why am I going commando on set in these, like, silk-ass white clothes? Makes no sense. And then George Lucas is just like, because there's no underwear in space. Well, this Short, just counter, counter, uh, counter, what do you call it? Counteracted? Yeah. This short, just counter proven George Lucas is being wrong. Because there is underwear in space. There's a whole 30 seconds where you just see a bra lit flying in the sky. And I'm like, damn, dude. Space bras. Look at that. And then, I don't know, the overall story of this special little short sketch thing stop motion animation is that uh, it's amazing the power that you can have when your own mother has confidence in you full steam ahead my girl and yeah there's nothing that institutions can teach you that you can't learn from your family and I don't know it's like it's a story about family knowledge and family ties Because at the end of the day, no matter how hard you try, you can't escape the fact that I am your mother. And that's how it ends. It's pretty cool. It's a good way. I like it. I like it. Sorry for spoiling the lowest stakes uh, short of the entire visions, but yeah. Spoiler alert! The lady was her mom this entire time. Oh my god! All right. The next episode of season two of Visions is called "Journey to the Dark Head," and it is by Studio Mir. Studio Mir was founded on the lesson of the space station Mir, which is like the first ever human space station to be launched out in space in 1986, uh, which is a pretty cool little thing. Um, that a fact that like an animation studio that's named after a space station is animating stories that take place in space i think that's pretty cool but studio mirror is named after the space station mirror which stands for advanced throughout collaboration and it's a place that houses the best artists and animation field and passionate young artists together to achieve oneness through collaboration that is what studio mirror stands for today the contents industry is evolving rapidly with signs of new paradigms being created in this new media environment, to be leading new paradigms, which is yet to be known to the world today. Every talent and passionate artist that have shared vision must come together like the scientists at the space station, Mir. Now, Studio Mir is venturing out to a brand new challenge of creating new paradigms in time for this new environment. The journey may be a difficult one, but as long as we are one, we can move forward without fear. And that is the studio's mission statement. It may sound a little... A little uh, bad in the grammar ways, but that's because it was translated from Korean. Because I believe this is a Korean studio or a Chinese studio. I don't know. But this, the animation itself had a lot of Japanese influence, <laughs> Or maybe they were Korean or Chinese. It's not me being racist. It's me just not knowing the difference between the different types of anime. Animation. I know anime only is in Japan. Damn, does this animation look like an anime. Let me open, let me paint you a word picture real quick. So, one, all the fucking stylized and stuff. It looks like something, I don't know, like, fucking Avatar The Last Airbender. Like, the way that the people look. And it opens with, like, these younglings getting stoned in a temple. Not getting stoned in a temple. They're getting stones in a temple. But it's in the past tense, so I'm gonna say that the younglings got stoned. But they pick up the stones, and... They're looking at it, and it, like, it tells, like, a fortune and shit. And it's, like, from rain in the temple. It's, like, at the bottom of this valley. And at the top, in the top, tiny, top, tippity-top of the mountains, there's these two giant fucking Jedi and Sith statues. And they're known, like, as, like, the statues, the prophesy, the prophecy statues. Maybe this is the place where the prophecy was made about the balancing of the Force and the Chosen One. This could be the place. But there's a whole ton of world building about this youngling person, and she grows up, and what she wants to do in order to fight the war between the Sith and the Jedi, she thinks that if she blows up the head of the dark side of this like fortune-telling statue, that there'd only be light side. So there can only be light fortunes told, and therefore, balance will be achieved or something. Which I don't really get how... Balance would be achieved because you're blowing up the dark side. But as this is happening, the young li- the youngling, grows up to become a person who she, she. I think this character was based off of the comic book character Doctor Afra from the Star Wars comics, because like she was a mechanical, you know, down to earth, stubborn scientist lady who can, you know, is real savvy with technology. Like that was Doctor Afra in the comics, and this animation character from the short is exactly like dr afra so i think dr afra homage and then she's like going to the jedi council and she's like hey we need a mission to blow up the dark head that will save the universe and bring balance back to the force and the jedi masters were like yeah we don't really care if you blow up a monument that that sounds that sounds that that checks out yeah war crime no sir no we're just remixing culture yeah that's what we're doing we're not burning books we're not genociding we're remixing the culture that's what the Jedi Masters said so they were like yeah lady go perform your go blow up a uh, literally go blow up the shrine that like you grew up under and she's like with a heavy heart I shall do this And the Jedi are like, but we're going to send a guy to help you out with that. So they send like this little badass youngling Jedi kind of thing with a dark pass and a dead master and a facial scar. You know, your run of the mill Star Wars hero. And his name's Tao. And they go and they try to perform this, you know, act of terrorism against the environment and the universe, apparently. And the guy who's trying to stop them. And he's actually he's trying to like recruit Tao, the badass Jedi dude, to become like his Sith apprentice. Is this like just long-haired Keanu Reeves looking motherfucker? So we'll just call him Keanu Reeves. Uh, he kind of looks like a Mister Sinister. If Mister Sinister was in the Star Wars universe, that's what this motherfucker is. So he's like you know Sith. He's chasing after Doctor Afra and Tao. And Tao is like, yo, like let me just fight this dude. Let me, I want the smoke. This man killed my master. Let me end him. And then, of course, Keanu Reeves is like, yeah, you're playing into my plot. I just wanted you to feed into your anger. Use your hate. Strike me down, and I shall be more powerful than you can ever comprehend with the power of the dark side. You know, that's what the Sith, dude, that's like his motivation. And they just have this motherfucking, oh, dope ass awesome shit looking oh damn so fast in the movement and the cinematography and it just, ah dude you gotta check this one this one by far my favorite of season two so far what i've watched journey to the Dark Head, just on the anime style level of dope ass fight scenes and world building and like the when so like these two giant statues are like covered in clouds so you don't see them the entire fucking time and then like when they finally go up and they're like ah oh, we're at the dark head the head that's dark, and then they realize, wait a second, these statues are connected in a giant circle, and I can't tell the difference between the light head and the dark head, and when the Dr. Aphra is like about to blow up the dark head, the sun comes out, and you realize that the dark head and the light head interchange between the days, and it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's, be- it's, it's beautiful poetry, man. It's just beautiful, well thought out, visual poetry. You know, they they, they they rhyme. It's like poetry. All the scenes. Then there's a badass motherfucking lightsaber fight. And I won't spoil the ending. But let's just say, a hug while falling to your depth, falling through the depth to your death, and you're hugging someone, and it's animated, and there's clouds, and you're a little high when you're watching this. It's cinematic. It's a cinematic sight. So yeah, and then, you know, the overall, like, moral of the theme is uh, nothing is certain. Light and dark will always coexist, which means that no matter how much despair you might feel in your world, in the darkness, there's also just amount, just the same amount of opportunity to have some hope and dreams. Hope coexists with despair, just as the light must coexist with the dark, and vice versa. Uh, this next short—it's I—it's called the Spy Dancer. It's a, by this studio called La Cachette, La Cachette. I think that's how you pronounce it. I don't know. It's a French animation studio. Their website, all the information they say. Is animation studio founded in 2014 hidden in Paris? Which is some of the most French fucking description ever. Like, it's just selection of progress. Here's our show wheel. We were founded in 2014. We're in Paris. But like, some of their other projects that they got, other than this fucking Star Wars vision, spy dancer shit, is this college, noir, Medha, avis de passage, and Mui. Oh, and they got some shit on Love, Death, and Robots. Oh, and Primal? Oh fuck! These are the people that did Primal. Yo, yeah, Gendy's Talavsky's Primal. Damn. Okay. So this this animation studio might be a little bit doper than I anticipated, but the short that they did was also pretty dope. I'm not gonna lie. I really liked the storytelling. Animation was like watercolory two D animation. It was, it was pretty nice, very French looking. But uh, yeah, the story itself it's about a knight and an imperial opera house in a space Paris. You know, it's not like actual Paris, but it's fucking Paris in space. And a lot of French vibes, you know, like, oui, oui, thank you. Thank you for coming to the dinner. Please have a seat. And then, you know, there's like the type of dancer that like is dancing. It's not like ballet or like rockets or even like some French shit. It's you remember in the prequel trilogies when you heard about the tra- the, the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the wise you know when Anakin Skywalker is learning about the tragedy of Darth Plagueis and Palpatine's like really just being a creepy ass motherfucking priest that scene when they're in like an opera house and there's like bubbles and there's like ribbons going all over and like there's someone dancing in the middle of the bubbles and you can't really see it but it looks cool and like there's like like how do I learn this power possible to learn this power not from a jedi you know that scene yeah that's the type of dancing that happens in this short right here at the spy dancer the dancers are spies they're fighting the rebellion it gives me a lot of the story gives me a lot of like french resistance kind of vibes like paris is occupied by imperialistic fascists there's obviously an underground resistance who have to compromise their own cultural things in order to fight the good fight and provide information to, like, an underseating rebellion. And then, you know, the imperialists, like, like take away stuff. I'm not going to spoil the, the shit, but let's just say it reminds me a whole lot of the end scene of Inglorious Bastards, which is one of my favorite Quentin Tarantino movies. But definitely a lot of homage to the Inglorious Bastards. Also, ribbon dancing fighting, pretty fucking badass. Not gonna lie. Not gonna lie. So. Yeah, oh, and one of the robots in it is, like, one of the robots from uh, Rogue One. Not, like, the same character, but type of robots that are, like, in it. And I thought that was really cool. little Easter egg. It was a KSI unit. K2 unit. I know it's not an IG unit. But anyway, Spy Dancers, good-ass shit. Highly recommend especially if you're French or suffering under a fascist regime. i we be getting into the last final three shorts of this Star Wars Visions volume. The next one is called The Bandits of Golak, and this is by Studios 88 Pictures, which they have done many of things, such as um, Troll Hunters, uh, some other stuff. I think they're out of Bollywood. He's, yes... This company looks like they're from India, so I'd say it's a Bollywood-type animation studio, Um, but they've done many things, such as Shrek, Kung Fu Panda, Madagascar, How to Train Your Dragons. So, 88 88 Pictures, I think, works underneath DreamWorks, which is a little bit kind of cool, because this is a Disney thing, so it's like, you know, DreamWorks, Disney are like big rivals, so the fact that the Disney went over to the dark side... Uh, it's pretty cool, and there's a lot of like Eastern, um, like Eastern culture vibes from it. But like the type of storytelling is like a, a Western kind of storytelling of the store of the short, because like there's a train, and there's like bandits, and there's like um, people trying to get off the train, and people trying to like you know steal from the train. And it's like it's like, I don't know, it reminds me of like a spaghetti Western, which is a lot of where the inspirations of Star Wars comes from. Like, Bounty Hunters, and, like, bubble fed and, like, The Mandalorian. I mean, The Mandalorian's a fucking space western. It's a western in space, which is funny, because those are two different directions. Like, west is west, and space is in space. But, this short, The Bandits of Golak, was really fucking cool. It was, like, in space India, a lot of Bollywood inspirations, a lot of bright colors. The animation was, like, photorealistic, so it was, like, if... It was like a Polar Express type beat. Um, follows like two siblings. One of them's force sensitive. One of them's just, you know, trying to survive, trying to run away from the cops. Uh, everything's always overcrowded. There's a lot of cool like aliens within it. Um, There's like this badass Inquisitor who looks like, I don't know, he looks like like every run of the mill kind of like Bollywood villain. Like he had the evil mustache. He had a facial scar. He had like dope ass like gold embroiderings in his like uniform try to be real dramatic what i also loved about it was the animation of it when like action was happening and like the force was being used and like a storm was coming through there was all this like slow motion type shit that was going on it was like the the classic like bollywood slow-mo effect and then there's this old bitch who had Eh, i'm not gonna spoil anything for this but let me just say that canes are pretty good weapons even when they have weapons inside of them, And I think this was the first ever uh, like lightsaber throat cut like cut throat um, that happened in Star Wars. That was pretty cool. But I don't think I don't really liked how that guy was able to talk afterwards, though, because like your throat is literally like <laughs> caramelized. You're not gonna like, he kind of he did sound like a smoker out of 40 years though. he's like, "ah.
2: Jedi and Golok, what the
0: fuck? And then out. I'm like, I don't even know. And then the sister, who's force sensitive, walks into the water. And I really like like just the overall thematic themes of these Star Wars visions, where they use the symbolism as water to to symbolize like rebirth and new beginnings. I can I can resonate to that. All right, so this next animated short is called The Pit, and it's by Dart Shachio and Lucasfilm and uh, Dart Shachio. I'm definitely botching the way to say that uh, name, but Dart Shachio is based in Tokyo and it's an American-owned 2D animation studio creating authentic Japanese quality animations. Even though it's an American people, it's Japanese quality because it's in Tokyo. So technically, it's anime and. The anime style of this certain pit of a short is, like, in the kind of old-school 90s kind of anime style. Like, like real, like, cowboy bebop-type beat or, like, the boondocks, you know? As in... I don't know, everyone kind of looks cool. Everyone kind of looks like a... I don't know, like a... Just a generic kind of anime shit. Enough said. Um, and all the characters look like they're from the boondocks. But... The, the story starts with like this imperial chain gang and like they're meant to like dig a pit in the middle of the desert and they do but as they're digging the pit um there's also like a city being built off of the kyber crystal that they're digging and low-key this entire short reminds me of holes the movie holes except for they're mining kyber crystal instead of like i don't know peach juice or something i don't even know what they were trying to look for in holes i don't even know if they knew what they were trying to look for in holes i think they were just digging holes yeah, this, there's this one really cool shot where it's uh, like a whole-ass time-lapse sequence of the development of the digging of the pits, but then also like the rise of the city. Like, and it's all like shot in like one single like frame, so it like, looks cool as fuck. And you can like just see just the, the months of labor and intensiveness just going by day after day, day in and day out. And then once the workers finally reach like the end of the pit at the bottom, The stormtroopers who are, like, all on top on the surface, they're like, alright, we're done, let's leave. And the stormtroopers fucking leave all the goddamn workers at the bottom of the pit. And then, the entire fucking shit turns into, like, an allegory of the cave, of, like, you know, human society gets put into the government, into this fucking cave, and they can't see the natural, like, order of things, and there's this one hero who knows about... The way things are and how they should be. And he like tells this great story about like we can find help. We, I just need to climb out of this hole, out of this cave, out of this pit and go find help. And I know that people will help me if I can. Because everyone's got a little inner light in them that shows them the way you know, through the force. And if you listen to that inner light, you listen to the way of the force. That's what he was telling his little sister. And then he goes up and I'm not going to spoil the rest of the shit for you. But let's just say reminds me a lot of The Dark Knight Rises and Liberation. It's a great it's a great just short story about like humanitarianism and the power of community and the power of people. And there's an end credit scene. So be on the lookout for that one in the pit because the end credit scene is fucking worth it. And then finally the last animated short of this volumes Visions from Star Wars. Lucasfilm and Disney and all these various studios is the swung song of them all. Oz Owl's song. That's how you pronounce it. A-A-U. Owl. song. Which is uh, by Triggerfish Studios. And I'll pull up their information right now as we speak. Oh, this is an actual Triggerfish information. Animation. Here we go triggerfish animation studios it is an african animation studios oh that makes so much sense now okay so triggerfish african animation studio damn they got some cool ass fucking projects i'm not even gonna lie i really i really like the vibes of this um this studio it was like very bright colors all right here here's the um Trusted by the world's top studios After 26 years, Triggerfish continues to celebrate Distinct and original creative voices And animated features in television Previously We've provided animation services On the Academy Award winning Royal Dial Adaptation, Revolting Rhymes As much as a much loved Julia Donaldson and Axel Scheffler's Adaptations Uh, The Snail and the Whale and the Highway Rat All produced for BBC One By Magic Like Pictures Uh, It's a global studio, best in class, working, you know, on all these things. Their most recent projects are Mama K's Team 4 for Netflix, Kia and the Kamojo Heroes for Hasbro, and an anthology of short films for Disney Plus, including the one that they did for Visions, which is called Aou's Song. Starts, one, this is one of my favorite fucking Shorts, I think, of the thing. Like, the Journey to the Darkhead was dope as fuck. I love that shit. But Awoo's Song, I think, one, just like, it was like 3D animation, but it also looked like like computer generated, but it looked like stop motion at the same time. And, like, the characters were, like, these like little kind of, like, yarn pandas with dreads. And, like, the main character's name, like, Awoo and, like, you know, she's helping her dad, and her dad, like, mines kyber crystals, but, like, in a way where it's, like, it's his job, and it's living, and he's not, like, being oppressed, and, like, you know, people, like, he wants to do it on his own accord. He's like, this is just the way it's always been. I like it. It's a good time. The village is dope. Everyone else is, like, searching for kyber crystals, but the kyber crystals, all of them are corrupted by the Sith, so all the kyber crystals are, like, red and shit. Um, they're they're blood diamonds, you know, <laughs> he's literally mining for blood diamonds, but this short like does does the most Star Wars shit of all time, it starts off with an opening crawl, and like gives you the exposition of like how people like, you know, there's been like a whole tradition of purifying the kyber crystals, and like turning them from red to blue, and blue to red, depending on what side of the force, and how strong you are in the force, and all this shit, it's all foreshadowing. And then we meet Aiu, and Au is like this quiet little girl. You think that she's mute at first, but then you realize, oh no, she's just shy and curious. And she's force-sensitive, because every kid in Star Wars is going to be force-sensitive. But she feels a calling to the kyber crystals, because she has this like Disney princess superpower of like purifying nature. And she's able to do it, and it's fucking beautiful fucking beautiful ass experience i'm not gonna spoil the rest for you you gotta go watch it yourself but it's goddamn beautiful that goddamn yarn bond yo what the fuck that goddamn yarn panda has sung its way into my cold artificially bloodied heart and it purified that shit like the grinch on christmas and then the overall lesson Learn from this entire experience of her learning to sing to crystals like every other white girl is um, we can't decide where our calling takes us. It might take us to the stars. It might take us to Europe. It might take us to hell. Maybe even a bar. But we can't decide where it'll take us or how far it'll take us. What we can decide though is whether or not we answer that calling. And when we do, our vision enlightens just a little bit more because we have a light inside of us that can point us away or through or into the darkness, all matter of perspective or whether or not you have your eyes closed or not. You know, if you can't see any light, you should maybe try opening your eyes. All right. Well, that was all of the uh, visions little shorts from um, Disney Plus and Star Wars. This was, these were my reviews of of, of uh, Season 2. I hope y'all enjoyed it. Um, and, yeah, I might uh, end this with a little bit of a debate about Star Wars. So, stay tuned for that. Three sides of the coin, y'all. Three sides of the Force. The Jedi, the Sith, and the Grey Jedi. But you already heard all that in the last May the 4th. Episode, so I'm gonna do some different Star Wars debates. So this is just a mic check, so just say something real quick. Your oh. mother is a hot babe. I'm so glad I'm deleting this. <laughs> <laughs> so for the debate for this episode, for the three sides of the coin, I am uh, I have a very special guest here with us. Um, since it's all about Star Wars, I thought it could be like only you know it only makes sense. If I, Luke, brought in a special guest for a Star Wars special debate, the only special guest, obviously, that could possibly fill fulfill the quota, you know, fulfill the quota of the hype, is my father.
2: So, Gregory, you are my father. Correct. I am your father. Or the... Wrong quote, Luke. I am your father. Yeah, there
0: you go. Yeah, the popular and then the right one. That's how it usually is. Um, But uh, you—you were the person who obviously got me into Star Wars and the lore
2: and such. Ever since the seconds of my birth. Correct. Has anyone ever told you that story, or Um, share that story with anyone?
0: Yeah, but like you know, whenever I share that story, everyone's like, "Well, that's a biased opinion. Uh, Like he's—he obviously doesn't know." So so. yeah, but before we get into how you got into Star Wars
2: sure. uh, I'd love to, if you could share with the audience How you got me into Star Wars Sure, so um, When we went to go visit the hospital You were going to be born in um, At um, St. Joe's In Baltimore, Maryland uh, We noticed Or I noticed that they had just done the ro- Redone the rooms mm-hmm. And they put into every room DVD players with, bo- with Boys uh, speakers, ah. so oh, it was like Bo- yeah, high, Bose speakers, right? Yeah. The Bose speakers, the high quality, uh-huh. and so I turned to your mother and said, "Oh, I have the perfect movie <laughs> for our son to watch," and so she's like, "What?" <laughs> I'm like, "Don't worry about it." So you're born, and I show up with the bag with everything, and they bring you into the uh, room to kind of hang out with us, mm-hmm. and I pop in um, Star Wars: A New there Hope, you go. and uh, the you know the beginning. Over the speakers, and your mom fell asleep. So, um, but yeah, I think you were. Well, I'm sure she exerted a lot of energy, yeah. you know, going into that. Um, I think I got, I was able to keep you in the room long enough to see at least a majority of the movie. Sweet. So, all right, cool. Okay. Got, got that first. So, act I think then- you were two days old
0: okay <laughs> nice nice
2: i always i always joke around with the material or no not even you would be a day old day
0: so, old okay yeah. cool because i always tell people like like yeah my dad was just in the waiting room watching star wars when my mom's right. in labor with me you know like i compress the story uh the timeline yeah. but then they always ask like uh i was like well, what was your dad like doing and stuff like
2: i'm like oh he was trying to figure out a good name <laughs> <laughs> He was doing research yeah despite the 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 myth you're named after me so yeah yeah unfortunately
0: or fortunately who knows i I feel like you'd be a good person to be named after i'm not naming my (laughs) son gregory though well yeah that's fine i might i might i might do a middle name bink Uh, Oh that would that would would be interesting that'd be a pretty obscure (laughs) middle name i feel like i like all right well how do you get into star wars Cause you're you're one so, of those rare Star Wars fans where you saw it in theaters.
2: Yeah, so I so I was born in '72. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to think today, actually, like when I remember seeing Empire Strikes Back in the movie theater, mm-hmm. actually here in Phoenix um, at Seneca Pre, Uh very vividly. Like I totally remember that. Um, but Star Wars, I remember I had gone to it. I think we went to a couple times and i'm trying to remember if we were living in nevada or california at the time Mm. but i know my parents took me and i um so i was about six gotcha and i remember uh just like loving it um and i think we saw it at least twice what was like the theater experience because it's
0: like i I hear so many fans of like um you know, like like I obviously remember growing up like going to the Star Wars premieres right. in high school for the sequel trilogy. Like everyone was dressed up. But like
2: Right, so the so I would say for so Star Wars came out and then came out again. And yeah. then came out again. Like okay. they had so the releasing And every time they re released it it got bigger and bigger and gotcha. bigger. So it kinda depends so I don't I remember there was cheering, which mm-hmm. was strange in a movie theater, but there was cheering. Uh like when Luke um Did certain things and so uh, I remember that. I do remember Empire Strikes Back uh, there were definitely people dressed up for that Um, so there was definitely Darth Vader um, some of the other characters and Mm -hmm. then it seemed like every time there was a new movie so when Return of the Jedi came out Mm -hmm. it got even bigger more dressing up, more extreme and so it just kept continuing each time and again you gotta remember they re-released them because this is prior to most VHS prior to VHS yeah, yeah the home box office yeah, wasn't an was in industry so they would re-release them yeah um, and i remember like people would be interviewed and they'd be like yeah i've seen star wars 56 times you know and so i mean it just was a phenomenon that that just came out of nowhere gotcha. so, so and now now like you know being uh,
0: a 50 year old star right. wars fan and seeing three different trilogies come out and the the movie watching experiences of all three of those trilogies what would you
2: say is like your favorite or like the best so i because of my age because of because i grew up watching all of them and seeing them all come out i the original trilogy of a new hope empire strikes back and return of the jedi would be my favorite Mm. um just the way it happened um I think each of them brings a different aspect, and that's where it gets lost. Yes. I don't like to necessarily compare them all because mm-hmm. they each. This have... This is a debate, Dad. We got it. I know it. it's a debate. That's what but... we're here for. We're <laughs> comparing them. <laughs> but um, I think in it, I think it really depends on the age of the person to which ones they like the best. Okay. So would you like say that like uh, there, there's like a rule, a rule, of, a rule of
0: following amongst like fans is like the trilogy you grew up with is gonna be
2: your favorite i would say the the yes for a majority of people mm. that like with the one that when they were kids that hooked them is the one they're gonna yeah, like that's why i love the prequel trilogies the most right like the the og
0: trilogy they're great and all they're like great classic storytelling hero's right. journey and all that but um i don't know i like The the prequel trilogy just added so much lore and so much to the already established game.
2: Right, and one of the central characters in the uh, prequel is Anakin, who Mm -hmm. starts out as a young kid, which is the perfect hook for all the young kids. That's true. That's true. racing race. I really like that trilogy because it answered a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a big believer that you got to watch them in the order they came out, not. Not the, the number. Yeah. So you have to start with the new hope.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Nowadays, it's really hard because the uh, technology and all the like, it's a slow moving movie. Yeah, it is. Nowadays. Mm-hmm. But back then, like, it wasn't in yeah. the storytelling and stuff. So if you can, that's why I think you have to have some maturity to watch it in the correct order. Yeah. Um, that it came out in. Because I think, because if you think about it, right? So. New Hope introduces all the characters, but it mm-hmm. doesn't introduce you to, like, where they came from, right? No, so no, you yeah. you jump in yeah. into this yeah, story. Yeah, the, the point of right?
0: action, the, like, the social, the status quo is so already, like, pre-established right. with every single character. Even, like, C-3PO and R2-D2, you don't know how they met. You don't know why they met. Right, but obviously... Just walking in a hallway.
2: Yeah, but obviously they had some connection mm-hmm. and some history there because of their interaction, yeah. right? So there's lots of history there, but you didn't know what it was. And so I think that's why – so the so going from A New Hope in Empire Strikes Back, you definitely – the buildup of, you know, the Force, you know, mm-hmm. the light side, the dark side, the Empire, the Rebellion, that buildup to then the – that's why most people think Empire Strikes Back is the best one. There's a lot of – because there's that buildup in The New Hope, and then Empire Strikes Back, you have the massive clash. Yeah, the exactly. mass and of, it
0: starts off, too, immediately, like right. the – I feel like Empire Strikes Back is such a fast paced movie. Mm-hmm. Especially for the times that it came out in the eighties and stuff, you would expect more of like the generic uh, the generic like first act, second act, third act kind of thing. Um, but I don't know, with this one it's just always a constant chase. Right. They're just ch- they're they're being chased or at least with Han Solo and Leia's like subplot, it's always a chase. It's always them evading the Empire until they get they fall into the initial trap. But like Luke Skywalker's journey is a little bit more generic of, like, oh, he starts off, like, status quo. He's, uh, you know, the Rebellion's hero. He actually helps... He helped save the Rebellion in the escape with, like, the at eighties and stuff. I think him, and I think Wedge and Tilly's were, like, the only two pilots that took down an AT-AT in the Battle of Hoth. Right. Yeah. Everyone else was just, like, covering, you know, covering their hind tails and such.
2: Right. And, well, I think also Luke um like luke usually does goes slightly off plan mm-hmm. and goes with his senses the force and does something that was not expected yeah and so um i think that's part of the 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 play on that the the fascinating thing with empire strikes back so george lucas changes up the plot style right mm-hmm. and he it's fast and intense and the the battle on yeah. hoth and and then it's Yeah, we it hit the down. ground rolling,
0: and then once you get to Dagobah. Right.
2: And so I think that's that's why, because um, there's a lot of people who think Return of the Jedi is, is the best one. Because it has some conclusion, it has some final say, but the um, and they introduce like a whole other world with the Ewoks. And, mm-hmm. and that's the beauty of Star Wars. It seems like they're always introducing new parts of the galaxy, or yeah. new species. There's always a new level, new, too. I mean, even with all these TV series and... Yeah, each one adds yeah. something new to it. Even it,
0: it, if, like, even if you don't want to see body modifications and, like, right. you know, the the mob top inspirations of, like, Boba Fett. Right. Like, you still, you still, like, they still add to it. And, like, what I also love about Star Wars is, like, you can tell the world, like, the earthly influences right. of it, but they change it ever so slightly where it's so easily believable that it's, like, oh, this is in a galaxy far, far right. away. And, like, I think that like spawns even way before there was even a movie like and even in Star Wars and theaters like it spawns all the way back to the Ralph McQuarrie concept arts and the way that he was able to capture George Lucas's ideas right in that that aesthetic and every, everyone's able to see those like concepts of like like one of the most famous ones that like inspires people is the picture of um, C3PO wandering through the deserts and R2D2's in the back and C3PO is just staring at the like you know the camera mm-hmm. um, and it does it looks nothing like c3p it looks more like the, the Android from Metropolis correct um, but the fact that it looks like the Android from Metropolis you can so clearly see that inspiration but it looks so foreign from what the Android from Metropolis actually was right. um, that you're like wow this is a completely entirely different thing and I think the I think the original trilogy did the best at that. Right, because it was like all practical effects. The prequel trilogy, I think it was innovative with like the green screen effects and stuff. But you can like kind of tell like, oh, this is this is like a movie. This is they're in a studio.
2: Right. So so that was fascinating because so George so George Lucas' reason why there was such a large gap between the first three and the next three is because of the in the stories he needed to be able to do things that they physically or or by mm-hmm. computer couldn't do Mm -hmm. good enough to do it yet and so that's he talks about that how he had to wait Mm -hmm. and how then he wished actually he talks about this at another point where he kind of wished that he had done some other things or waited for the first three because he you know he was probably the biggest critic of himself and the fact that he could have done more, done this or that. He could have, he could have hired a writer for the those romantic scenes. Not <laughs> <Right>. gonna <can> lie. <laughs> so, well, and, the, and 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 I think that's the fascinating thing I love about Star Wars is they don't necessarily talk like us, or there's things that are slightly different than what we do, mm-hmm. which helps us remember it's in a galaxy far, far away. True. Yeah. And and that I think that's a piece that some people get lost. They forget uh, this is supposed to be in a galaxy far, far mm-hmm. away. Because, you know, there's some of the lines are quirky or just the way they talk sometimes is like, okay, interesting. Um, But I like that fact because, again, why do we watch movies to escape, right? Yeah. So um, the original or the uh, prequel, the best part of the prequel Mm -hmm. is it answers a lot of those questions, especially about Darth Vader. Like, how can you end up with this character that is so evil? Mm -hmm. I mean, you just look at him. Someone says like, "Yeah, Darth, ouch!" Yeah. and he like kills him. Like it's like, yeah, uh, like yeah. he just kills people left and right. We
0: couldn't find him, sir.
2: Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's yeah, a he, constant.
0: He's the most formidable. I think, I think Darth Vader is like by far undisputed most formidable, intimidating villain of cinematic history. Right, and he's introduced that way. Mm-hmm. Like, so you have no yeah. concept. Yeah, and of the end all be all argument of it is just look at his hallway scenes. Yeah, First scene ever is a hallway scene <clears throat> and the best scene ever, which canonically kin- I love, takes place literally 10 minutes before his first ever
2: hallway right. scene.
0: Because like, like, if you watch Rogue One, that's the one I'm talking about, yes. the hallway scene in Rogue One. That happens, and then you know the ship leaves, and then the next thing you see in the Star Wars canon is his big-ass star Imperial ship, the first shot of Star Wars. Right. So it's like two back-to-back hallway scenes, and you just like... I like. That's just like the perfect like. If you don't know who
2: Darth Vader is, you watch those two scenes. You you know who Darth <laughs> Vader is. So the prequel does a great job of of explaining how we got there, mm-hmm. and and what it took. And it took literally all three movies to get you it to did. that point. It did. Um, the beauty though of it is also dives into a lot of the Emperor. And then all the stuff that's that with the stormtroopers, mm-hmm. and there's just a lot of things that there's a lot of answers through the prequel or setups, right? Yeah. Because um, that was one of the biggest questions I remember as a kid was like, what are the Clone Wars like? Clone Wars like, mm-hmm. what's this? You I know, know your I dad know. died in the Clone Wars. Yeah, it was like, a throwaway line. Right. It was just like Clone Wars, and lo and behold, they created a whole Clone War, you know, um, yeah, series. Like, and, yeah, they start. Yeah. So, so it's just fascinating because I feel like... Um, TV show, comic books, anime. Yeah. The beauty of Star Wars, George Lucas allowed people to like take something and mm-hmm. then expand it and just go with it. Yeah. And him not having to worry about like, well, uh, no, that's not what I thought it was going to be. Dave Filoni. Right. He didn't have full... Con- he let go of control mm-hmm. of the galaxy that he made and let people influence it their own way to enhance it. I think mm-hmm. that's the, one of the beauties of Star Wars. Where sometimes you get people where they get too much control and they want to hold on to it, and uh, you know, it. it, Everyone's limited to what they can be, how creative they can be. Yeah, yeah. I think I think George Lucas did a really good. I
0: think I think people like give George Lucas a bad rap of like being a bad writer or like no, not the best director, but like you gotta you gotta give the man the credit where the credit's due of. He is the one of the most innovative directors and inspirational directors of our of his generation. Right. Like cuz one he's like buddy buddies with Steven Spielberg, you know, Francis Ford Coppola. So he's like up there with the goats. But he also like created the Pixar machine. Like he also
2: well yeah, he so the if if you watch redefined
0: the, the genre of sci fi and made it a blockbuster.
2: Right. Was it the light and magic? Yeah, um, industrial light and, magic and sound. Yeah, if you watch that series in the six episodes, yeah, it really gives you insight of the influence George Lucas had, but also the team that he built mm-hmm. and relied on to, to come up with some of this stuff. Yeah. So if if you're a true Star Wars fan, that's one I would highly suggest watching, mm-hmm. yeah, to get an insight, especially for the, the original series because mm-hmm. it focuses a lot yeah. on that. Because you get to see how much of a leader George Lucas was. Right, he had these visions, mm-hmm. and then he relied on people to come up with, <laughs> yeah, fulfilling them. Uh-huh. So yeah, and I liked, I
0: really liked how he was. Uh, he had a he had a standard for like the the level of artistry. Right. And, like, he had the standard for, like, what he wanted and what he wanted to do. And he had a very high standard for himself. But, like, the standard of, like, how to get that end product and stuff, like, he, he played very loosely with. And that's right. why you were able to, like, get these, like, awesome sequences that no one's ever been able to see before. Because no one's been able to, like, comprehend or, like, or even if, like, I don't know, like, the nitty-gritty of it. George Lucas uses the dark side. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and no one really gives him credit for that. They, they think he's just, all oh, this light side, kind of like, buy the books, dude. But he's broken the rules many a times to create a new set of rules. Right. Um, and I think that's why I like the prequel movies more than the original movies. Because the original movies set the rules of, like, Star Wars and such. Right. Okay. Of, like... You know we have the empire we have the rebellion the rebellions trying to overthrow the empire light side good side but then the prequels takes all of that pre-established rules that he made flips it and breaks it because like in the prequels you have the grand republic and they're the good guys but like
2: you got the, the, separatists. the, the
0: separatists are trying to and it's like you know the like the union and the confederacy right. and the the separatists are the bad guys but like they never really explain, like, in the prequel movies, they never really explain why they're the bad guys. It just establishes it's, these are the bad guys. They're painted as the bad right. guys. When, like, when the original trilogies, you know why they're the bad guys. They're fascists. Um, <laughs> but uh, the Republic, you get to see the good guys turn into the bad guys, and through the allowment of breaking of rules, of, like, Anakin, like, the... The, it starts off with the Jedi Council breaking a rule and right. like Qui-Gon Jinn breaking a rule and like I like despite what happens like I will train this child to become the chosen one and the Jedi is like all right fine we'll let you train the child and like them becoming lazy and like them not like that's like the fall from the force from the way of the force uh, to like do their own ways and like you see uh, you see the rise of the dark side in the prequel, and it's through the breaking of rules in order to obtain power, and in order to uh, a stat like, in order to keep the status quo. Like the the motivations of the Jedi Council right. is just to keep the status quo the same, um, but that's not the way of the Force. The Force is ever changing, ever flowing, and it, it shifts the the balance from light right. to dark. And you get to see how the shift from light to dark happens with not just only like an individual human of Anakin Skywalker and how he is a, you know, a little boy and he matures into a monster. Um, But you also get to see the society of how they could allow a monster to rise up to power and all of these rules to be made because they broke all these other rules. And the more and more, that's why I love the prequel, the prequel, um, just era, because you get to see the like the fall of the Roman Republic, and I think that's such an interesting storyline. I think that's just growing up, like watching it right. as a kid and seeing nowadays and seeing how it can apply to our own American Republic. Like, is it turning into American Empire? Who knows? Right, that's a good question. Um, and that's why I like the prequels. Right, it's so have it the last three oh the sequels well that's that's what I want to also talk to you about is like which one which one's better between the prequels and the originals but then how did how did the sequels go wrong because I love I love the sequels production value like I think it has the best of both worlds of practicality right. and CGI's where you are immersed in the world like you feel like you are in a galaxy far far away like at least visually and stuff but the problem is the storytelling is so obviously studio interference of the sequel trilogy and how it doesn't connect and flow and like, like 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 the sequel trilogy in itself, I think, is trying to be two trilogies of like the Force Awakens and the Rise of Skywalker, and then the, the like the Last Jedi in itself tries right. to be its own thing.
2: So I think uh, that's a hard that's so. I, the way I view the final three is more like, um, yeah, I agree. The production is unbelievable. Um, I don't, I, I, I think too many people dive too hard into it and had way too high expectations. Yeah. I think that's the problem. They have mm-hmm. these super high expectations, yeah. right? And because Return of the Jedi does have an ending. Mm -hmm. right and so you can walk away and be happy yeah and so how do you take something that that ends right Mm -hmm. has an ending and then continue it and so that's where I think if you start to look at the like the Mandalorian and all the things that are coming out now that fill in some of the gaps Mm -hmm. to um, the Force Awakens right yeah Um, that starts to make more sense yeah because you jump, again, you're jumping what? 30 years? Is yeah, it 30, 30, years, after 30 years after Return of the 30 years after Return of Right, the so Jedi. you have all this time, mm-hmm. right? And so the first trilogy, so the original trilogy, you jump in the middle of the story, right? Yeah. So the prequel, you know where the beginning is, you know where the end is, right? Mm-hmm. So the problem with the next set is you don't know where the end is, no, right? And they decide to make the beginning 30 years later. Mm-hmm. So there's all this stuff that happens yeah. to get to the first movie of the next mm-hmm. trilogy, right? That is true. And so, and you're introduced to some familiar... You know, you're on Tatooine. Tatooine. No, which, you're not even on Tatooine. Or you're on what? Jakku. Jakku, that's right. Which reminds you of... Yeah. Um, it's Tatouan like similar and, but different. Right. Similar but And there's Ray, and you're introduced... In, and you and you see the old empire destroyed, mm-hmm. and so it's like, well, okay. With any true, there there can be no vacuum, right? No, something yeah. always fills the va- vacuum. So something filled mm-hmm. the empire being gone, right? And that's when you start to realize what what happens. And that's what you, that's what we get to see now in like the Mandalorian Is era. Is how, how does it get to that Is, point? Yeah, it's because in all honesty, it's almost like the New Republic. Wait, what is it the New Republic, yeah. The New Republic is worse than the Empire was. Yeah. Right? And it's even weaker
0: than the original Republic. Right. Because at least the original Republic had a handle on half of its systems. It had a clone army. Like, like, you know, at least there was a figurehead. Like like, Palpatine was that figurehead. And like he
2: he was able to like you know it was a propaganda state. It was, you know. So so one of the things about like a true historian is gonna say that history repeats itself. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the the last three, there's a lot of history repeating itself. Yes. Like what are they building? The New Republic. Oh well, no, it's the First Order that built. Or the First Order. Yeah. The Death Planet. Right. Which is the Death Star mm-hmm. all over again. Like there's some. So so I enjoyed the fact that there was some of these repeated themes, right? Yeah. These again, you have. So then you have another villain, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, how did he become who he became? Yeah. So I think I think the, the issue of why they don't, and maybe I need to watch all three in a row. I haven't done mm-hmm. that. Um, is maybe I need to, because there I do agree there seems to be some jaggedness. It's not as smooth. Yeah. Um, but I do think they were also lending themselves to. Can we continue the story? Yes. But I think like like the, the the strengths with the prequel trilogies
0: and the original trilogies is like they they knew that they had to continue the story. The prequel right. trilogy knew how to con- like it knew the ending. Right. The original trilogy, obviously, the ending is like a happy ending. So like they have something to work with. Um, but then the uh, the original, but like they had one person writing it. Right. And like one person knew the ending and knew how. To get it,
2: the no one like no one steer steered the sequel trilogy. Correct, and I think that's where the the jaggedness comes in, yep. and and why you see it's that the different directors, different writers. Right. I think the what they're doing now with some of the TV shows and, or series and the some of the standalones to fill in some of the gaps mm-hmm. is helping, but yeah. Um, yeah, I think they definitely learned their lesson from right. the sequel trilogy,
0: but now it's like now it's rough because. I think the I think the reason why the sequel trilogy do, didn't work was cuz they realized oh we can just begin to tell the story again. They decided to do that. But they decided to make the middle of the story the same too and the end of the story the same too. And when you right. when you get a copy of a copy of a
2: copy. Right. So how many how many true sequels cuz I want to consider Empire Strikes Back a sequel.
0: No, I'm talking I'm talking about how many true sequels yeah, are ever sequels, as good as the original? I think here's what here's what you have to do you gotta you gotta parallel right and like invert the story you can't just parallel it and like have it be the same thing just in different colors like oh it's just the same plot but now we're in europe like that, right. that that's the trope of a bad sequel is like oh you're you're talking just, about european vacation yeah european vacation or or even like like you know like cars too like right. they're in europe there's a euro grand prix right. and like they're spies like also, that everyone's a spy in a in the sequel, like, like Zoolander 2, He became a spy. I don't know how. He's a male model. Uh, but like, if you go darker, if you take the storytelling and you go darker and you invert it and you flip it on the on the head and you go to the other side of the coin, you're able to find new storytelling because it's parallel in a ways, but right. it's in the different direction. Correct. Like, no one died in Empire Strikes Back. No one died you could maybe make an argument that Harrison Ford died in... Like, Han Solo died in Empire Strikes Back. Like, when it came out, everyone thought he was a goner, even Harrison Ford himself. Right. It's like, whew, God, I'm done with that. But then he comes back literally in the first ten minutes of Return of the Jedi. No one dies in Empire Strikes Back. It's still known as the darkest... Uh, the darkest Star Wars. Right. Other than Revenge of the Sith. And the reason why is because it took, the, it took what A New Hope put up of like alright you got a boy you know he's he's getting out of. he's in this crazy world of adventure or he's not even in this crazy world he's in a mundane world he gets put into this crazy world of adventure yeah he loses a father figure he loses two father figures in that movie um, but he found himself he knows who he is and like that's at the end of New Hope you know everything's good all hunky dory Empire Strikes Back completely flips that it goes you take this confident hero luke skywalker who's in this world of adventure is a master of doing that hero of the rebellion and you just throw him through the ringer every single time and yeah no like he only loses a a hand right but in that movie he gets abducted by a yeti then he almost gets hypothermia then he has to sleep in a in a tauntaun carcass then he gets attacked by the feds then he has to run away then he goes into uh the middle of nowhere where his he literally hallucinated that his old father figure told him to go and he gets bullied by kermit the frog and then (laughs) then after he's like going through a rocky training course which ain't the most fun thing then he's got to go back and save his friends because he thinks that his friends are gonna die and the kermit the frog's like no you can't and like even his own father figure who's now a ghost is telling him no you shouldn't go but he's gonna go And so he went, saved his friends. Doesn't even see his friends. He he saw Leia once in a hallway. He wasn't even good at rescuing his own friends. Saw Leia once in a hallway. Meets his real dad. Gets his ass handed to him. Loses a hand. Falls down into the bottom of a cloud city. And he kisses his sister. (laughs) That, like... That is so dark, and it twists everything that A New Hope sets it up, and then like Return of the Jedi
2: takes. So basically, you just told us why the original is the best of the. Sets. Uh,
0: of I th- <laughs> I think the the original is the best storytelling of like concise, because like even the prequel trilogy
2: like, un- like Phantom Menace is. I, so I was a big fan of Jar Jar. You like Jar Jar? I love Jar Jar Binks. Because it was comic relief, and he, and I, I love how he ends up becoming a senator, and like, there's just things about him that I like. The I like the conspiracy theory about Jar Jar. So, I just think it's funny how he gets a bad rap. Yeah, all does. the time. He does, and I think um, I really enjoyed Jar Jar. Binks.
0: But I also love I also love that about Jar Jar's story is that. Like, like to go back on my argument about why the prequels are so good is that you get to see how government has allowed itself to you know uh to fall from grace is like jar jar was the comedic like you know just like right. a, a dumb almost like clown gesture and then in the very next movie he's like a senate like he he helps with the senate he like is it a position of
2: power Right, and it's like, yo, dude, we're like, we just clowned so what, this guy. Why are we right. giving him a position of power? said so sounds like to me, you're saying that some of the politicians are probably clowns. Oh, percent, hundred percent. Yeah, we we definitely got a lot of Jar Jar Binks in Congress.
0: <laughs> and, but do do we sa wanna surrender sa the <laughs> emergency powers to the Chancellor? No. <laughs> so I think I think Jar Jar was a good. Yeah, I like Jar Jar's character because. It gets to it goes to show that if people have a problem with Jar Jar, and the government doesn't, then it's like, well, and we might have a problem with the government. I don't know. I I like Jar Jar Binks. Sure, was he the funniest guy? No, the Star Wars is not supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be philosophical. It's supposed to make you think. No, like the grand. Like I think the best piece of. Comedic relief
2: in Star Wars is Chewbacca in R2-D2. Right, because you don't know what they actually say, yeah. but you can tell what they said by their actions. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. yeah, and the interpretations, and I yeah. like that. I like that. Yeah, the only reason I never dressed up as Chewbacca was because I was never tall as a kid, so <laughs> I felt like you had to be the tallest kid to be Chewbacca, so... Yeah, that's true. And my middle name is Luke, so I kind of Kind of had fell, to go with that, right? yeah. Yeah, I... I always dress up as Luke. Or Anakin.
0: I like Anakin too. And that's the that's the other thing, is what do you what what story do you think is better? Is the fall from Grace of Anakin Skywalker into the dark side or the rise from nothing and
2: the the redemption of Luke Skywalker? I'm a big redemption redemption I love redemption stories. Gotcha. So fall, fall from grace into evil is uh, – I'm not – I've never been a big Empire supporter. I know there's a lot out there. Yeah. um But now I'm a big redemption. I like the – maybe redemption. I'm just optimistic and that's yeah. part of it. I know. You're, you're a Jedi for sure. So. You're a Jedi for sure. Yeah. I would say
0: the same. But that's why I also don't like the sequel trilogy because you have this amazing, like, amazing story – Of Luke Skywalker coming from nothing, like never giving up, always knowing that, like, no matter what you do, no matter how bad it gets, you can always be redeemed. And then you see that happen, come to fruition with the redemption of Vader in The Return of the Jedi and how he throws, he yeets Palpatine off of it. And then you completely spit in the face of all that storytelling, all that character development in Last Jedi, because Luke does nothing. Like, he ran away from his problems, he fell back into. It's not even like the dark side, because he's not even seeking power. He's just seeking to escape, and to and like and that's it. And it, to escape from your problems is to is a I think a
2: very selfish form of control. Or is it that in order for the younger's the young ones to grow into who they're supposed to be, when you hit a certain age? you back off and let them like was he letting ray come into her own no because he didn't know ray was a thing well how do you know that if, if he's part of the force right and she's starting to fill the force wouldn't he know that i think he knew way more than he let on and that's why it's bad
0: that's why it's a bad sequel trilogy that's why it's a bad trilogy because you don't know luke's intentions at all Like, in the first movie, you see Luke for, like, ten seconds.
2: So, so, well, Luke's in a dilemma, right? Because he had Ben and that whole bit, and that goes wrong. Yeah. Ben becomes, goes to the dark side, right? So he has a dilemma that his Padawan, his, you know, young Jedi Mm -hmm. becomes. Yeah, and he has the guilt
0: that Luke, like. And also, like, that's the thing is I don't think Luke Skywalker would have held a lightsaber to his nephew's bedside, like, contemplating to kill him like that's not Luke Skywalker Luke Skywalker sure. stared the face of evil in the eye and said I will not kill my father because that is not the so, Jedi way so- I am a Jedi like my father before me right. I will not fall for your ways cuz that's the like that's the that's the parallel in, in the emperor's throne room in, Rever- in return of the jedi and the emperor's throne and the uh, chancellor's throne room in revenge of the Sith those are the two parallels between father and son. Right. Luke said no.
2: Anakin bent the knee. Right. But, here, but here's the question. I, I know the writers didn't intend this and it didn't play into it. But, you know, just trying to read into uh, storylines that accidentally happen, Right. Mm-hmm. So as we get older, right, and mm-hmm. we're supposed to be wiser and stuff, we don't always... Make the wisest decisions when we're older. Sure. we don't always like have the best. We might have the best motives when we're younger, but as we so, age changes something, right? Mm-hmm. That's obvious in most people. You see it. Age changes something. So with Luke being older, you know, yes, he faced fear in the when he was younger, but then he's there older. Um, maybe he's weakened. Maybe he's in a state where, because here, so here's the thing I've learned. And, and I think, um, like, isolation is not good for anyone, right? No, yeah. Right. And so Luke's, like, it's just amazing how much time he ends up in isolation. Well, that changes people somewhat. Not always for the good, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe that is where some of his character flaws come in, in the sequel
0: trilogy. And could that be also him, like... As a character, as a writing thing, and him going and being exiled and stuff. That's also, like, there is the rep, like there is parallelism and poetry to that. Of I mean, like, Yoda did it. Yeah, Yoda did it. Even Ben, uh, like, right. the, the beginning of Obi-Wan yeah. uh, Kenobi. You see him running away from his feelings and such. And then in The Last Jedi, you do get to see that arc of him coming back into the fold of, like, the way of the Force and, like, oh, I can't, I can't just, I can't just be... Like I am, an, I am an agent of the Force. I must act on behalf of the Force um, in order to help others in life. It's not just about me, myself, and I and what I can do in my own world. Because he was, he was happy, and I'm sure he lived a balanced life on the first Jedi Temple um, with those stones and stuff. But, like... I think Yoda... Yoda didn't do anything because the Emperor was out and about and like the Emperor was running shit the Empire won Yoda attempted like attempted to do something he faced the Emperor in episode 3 failed and that's when he was like I must go into exile and wait cause I think Yoda being so in foresight in the force he knew about the Chosen One he knew about the prophecy he knew I think Yoda knew Anakin had kids
2: yeah I think so.
0: Yeah, and then even after he finds out, but I think Yoda always knew, um, and oh, Yoda's inability to do anything also probably caused the fall of the Jedi. Um, what am I trying to get with this? So Yoda, Yoda knew there was an end goal, so that's why he stayed. That's why he he let the will of the force bring Luke to, uh, bring Luke to him. Um, but Luke Skywalker. Doesn't know, like, as of that time, Luke Skywalker just knew that Snoke corrupted Ben Solo, mm-hmm. and then so he decides to go out and not do anything about it. Ah. He didn't even know that Rey was a thing. Didn't well, even turn we, out like, and, well, and then you know, know the, that. and you know, and now, like, we can even say, if Luke did figure out that Rey, that Rey was Palpatine's granddaughter, which he didn't, uh, he didn't know
2: that. That, I could see he wouldn't know. Like, if he did know that, like... So, here it he says... So he,
0: he was not proactive. He was a reactive Jedi Master. And I don't like that. Well, okay.
2: So, the lightsaber... He was very reactive. He didn't... So, in the second episode... Um, Last Jedi. What is it? Last Jedi. Yeah. She finds the lightsaber... Uh, they they go to the woman right to. Find oh yeah, stuff she finds out. the lightsaber in the Force Awakens, and then she brings it. Like at the the last scene of the movie is her handing Luke Skywalker the saber. Right. So she finds it in the, it, so anyways, my question is like. She finds it in a place right mm-hmm. where she could find it. Obviously, it was placed there by someone on for some reason. So how do we know that Luke didn't know that someone was going to come along, right, and find it? He might not have it was exactly Ray, mm-hmm. but he knew it would be somebody. Okay, that's, that's a good point.
0: Right. And then, if they were brought it, brought it back to him, would he have chucked it?
2: Because that's what he does. Right. He immediately but, chucks it. Right, because I think that's comic relief in some sense, but that's that unexpectedness. Mm-hmm. But is that also him saying that that's not the answer? Okay. that could Yeah, that could be it. Is the, the pursuit of this conflict, of this wanting to
0: put a balance to the Force, is not right. the way of the Force, and the way of the Force is... I think, judge. so,
2: what, one of the things is, I think, yeah, there's some parallels between the, the sequel trilogy and the others, but I also think they were trying to do some slight different things. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think people their expectations weren't met because they came throwing the lightsaber was definitely no one saw that. Yeah. Coming, no one saw that right? coming. There's some other ones where they didn't see that yeah. coming. So the question is, is, is when you have such a high success, um, set of movies, right. Mm-hmm. And your audience expectations are, are set really high as a creative person. Do you have to, bow to the audience or can you do what you want and if they like it they like it and if they don't they don't true those are the two sides of the coin right and yeah you gotta ride that ride that edge and Rise of Skywalker
0: did not do that I think that w- I think I would've loved the sequel trilogy if they stuck with their guns that they pulled out in Last Jedi they give I think if they gave Ryan Johnson like they gave him cause he, he the guy who wrote um last jedi also directed it so if you gave him a second chance to finish all the stuff that he he let correct and not because because the, they were like oh, well fuck you ryan we're gonna go back to jj and jj was like well i'm just gonna make a sequel to the force awakens and kind of forget all about last jedi and it's so obvious that like in the right. trilogy that that happens that it it takes away from every single one because you're like oh like that, like, that's a trilogy of, like, what could have been instead of what, what? actually was. Like, the original trilogy is what actually was. Like, everyone's kind of loves it for what it is. The prequel trilogy is a little bit of both because it's, like, what it, act, like, everyone loves loves it for what it was. Everyone also, like, nags on it for what it was. But it is what it was. And, like, it's created a lot of memes because of it. And that's, that's another beauty of the prequel
2: trilogy is just the amount of memes. <laughs> but, um... They were That's ab- because memes were starting to be created when they came out, so yeah. it was an easy shot.
0: Yeah, but there's also been so many stories that have been like able to be told after the prequel trilogy, like with the Clone Wars and like with the comic books, and there's so much like open ends and ways that people can close circles and stuff. Right. And even with the original trilogy, like you get to see that, um, like even even before like the Disney Plus shows and like the Mandalorian, like. You remember those Ewok animated TV shows oh, yeah. and like the Ewok specials and stuff? Yeah, the Christmas one. Yeah, the, I yeah. love those because it was able to expand on expand on it like com- tell completely or, different stories yeah. that weren't even remotely related to Star Wars except
2: for the fact that there were Ewoks in it, and I loved that. Or and, do you remember the cartoons with C three po Yeah, and droids. RG, like the whole yeah, like I they were. Those. The early '80s animation, yeah, nine, reminds yeah. me of He-Man and some of the other stuff. Yeah, so. and
0: I love, I love that stuff because it was able to like be open-ended, and you didn't feel like you had to, you had to live up to these expectations of the audience or what you want to do. Right. People were just doing what they were doing, and the audience would appreciate it because of that. So one of the questions is the of sequel trilogy different. era doesn't. I think the sequel, the sequel trilogy takes away from all that because you see. You easily see the studio interference. You easily see the, reaction, the reactionary storytelling to the fan uh, backlash in between all the movies. But you also, like, they, they just bring Palpatine back. They brought Palpatine back, and I hate that. I hate that because it takes away from the entire six movies
2: before that. Well, the beauty is, is you can because it's thirty years later, you can just stop the story where you want and be done with it. Yeah, <laughs> but so that that's why I don't like the sequel trilogy. is It was just the cheapest, the
0: path of least resistance in storytelling, and it makes me lose respect
2: for Disney execs and JJ Abrams. Right, but that's it's. I mean, that's the problem with big corporations mm-hmm. like Disney, yeah. the Empire, exactly. So exactly, but that's what I love the. That's why I love
0: the TV shows, and stuff is because like the creators have so much right. control, um, and they get to talk about like yeah Disney is the empire like we need to band together and be like a creative rebellion. Right, and I, that's what I love Star Wars.
2: So another not for today, but down the road, mm-hmm. like so Star Wars is known as the movie that started the whole merchandising world of. Movie, true, yeah. Right. So, I mean, I remember as a kid getting a lunchbox with Star Wars on. It was my favorite lunchbox. Um, so that that could be a whole other debate. Like, is when a movie or a set of movies gets to the level of merchandising, how does about it? Right. Like, is that a good influence? Is that a bad influence? Because I think it, looking at Star Wars and some of the stuff that came out, some of it was based on merchandising versus yeah. let's add to the story. So, oh, yeah. anyways, that's a whole nother debate. Exactly. A debate for another time.
0: So, tune into that, folks. Well, thank you, Dad, for uh, debating with me about Star Wars. Oh, you're welcome. This has always been it's always a favorite pastime of mine. <laughs> um glad to get some recordings on it and to share it with my friends and all that. Yeah. So, enjoyed enjoyed it.
2: Thanks. Is there anything that you want to say to the the world of listeners of your listeners? Yeah. Um, Thank you for putting up with my son uh, (laughs) each and every episode. I'm so proud that he has taken this passion and run with it and look forward to hearing more from him in the future. Love you, dude. Love you, too. All right. And may the Force be with you.